welcome to episode 134 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're here. We're done, we're, people. We're at the end of Zeta, and of course, it ends on what I would call a high note, actually. Yeah. And then... Is this the best episode? I actually think it eh, probably... I, for, for the most part, yeah. I think it is, because I, I... We... Sometimes we forget to do this. We did do our short list. It's a for the, very for the, short for list. For the whole show. Well, we joked about in the middle that we're going to do an anti-short list. Right. Of like... <laughs> the worst episodes. Yeah. Maybe maybe that would be the bonus point of the the short list is what was the worst episode, but... Oh, I mean, Tornado, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... There we go. Spoiler alert. It's just the Tornado <laughs> episode. Definitively. Uh, yeah, we're going to do our short list. We're at the end. And, you know, the way this ends, I kind of, I mean, I say I wouldn't have been opposed to seeing more. I think. No, but you know how they'd stretch that out. Well, I think that's exactly it. They wouldn't even mention this until episode like seven of season three. No. And that's exactly it. Like I wouldn't be opposed to figuring out where the story goes from here. The problem is, is when this show aired, we talked about this before kids cartoons were structured in such a way that the first episode of the season, the last episode of the season actually had like all the storytelling and everything in the middle was mostly just fluff. Yeah. Um, if they were doing kind of a more serialized format rather than episodic one. And so, yeah, a season three of this probably would have been terrible, but at least would have answered some questions, but mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll get into what season three would have looked like towards the end there and maybe speculate a little bit where things would have gone. Uh, but before that we do have not really a lot of news, but a, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of news here and there. Um, so one we, of the things... We both kind of had our, our head down this week. So if we miss anything big... That, that's absolutely true. Yeah. You and I both had insane work weeks. And then uh, for those of us, for those of you who follow Cameron and I on social media, you would have seen we were at Disneyland... For 18 hours yesterday. 18 hours on Saturday, which we'll, we'll also get into that a little bit at the end, too, and talk about that experience, because it was absolutely insane. Uh, but yeah, we, we've been like kind of shut off from the world. I opened up my uh, my windows this morning and it smells super smoky. I'm like, oh, is there another fire happening? And there's there's another fire happening. Oh, there is. I had it's no the idea. the tick fire. It looks like up near Santa Clarita. But I, I was surprised in just how smoky it was. I was like, oh, maybe it's somewhere close, but it's really not. And it seems to have cleared up. I don't know. But like, I didn't even know that was going on. Okay, because we've been so distracted. Yeah. I mean, we were we were basically quarantined. All day yesterday, all day Saturday. Yeah, I mean, there was no time to look up news. And then if we did, that was just burning through precious battery life that we needed to post the whole thing on Instagram. Yeah. So so, so what news do, do we have to talk uh, about? We have news of Joker, despite our hope that this would all go yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, it very much hasn't. It is now the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of the time I read this article which is published uh, on Friday, $788 million. So it's, it's, I'm sure by the end of this weekend it'll uh, cross $800. Um, and it only costs $70 million to produce. So this is a, a massive... This is a big old win for you, WB. Huge, huge success for, for Warner Brothers. Um, I, I, I know um, everyone's been posting the list. Are, are the top five movies all... No, I guess Fox is, is Deadpool. Are the other ones all WB? Um, well, because The Hangover is up there, right? Yeah, Hangover is like six or seven. If you look at uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' Instagram, he, he does a, a super easy list. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Based on... Oh, this is IMDb Pro Box Office Mojo. 
Okay, this hasn't been updated in a while because it the, it still has. It's Joker, Deadpool, Matrix, It. No, that can't be right. Matrix was an R, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, it was? Oh, wow. Okay, uh, Joker, Deadpool, Matrix, It, uh, Passion of the Christ, Logan, um, Hangover, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Ted. A lot of those are Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ted and... I know Ted's Universal, Fifty Shades of Grey might also be. I don't remember. I don't remember. Who's that one? And I, I feel like... I don't know who distributed Passion of the Christ. Jesus. <laughs> the Catholic Church got $600 million. It's absolutely true. Um, we, we've talked at length about the Joker at this point. Um, and one of my kind of major problems is that this movie, I think, the more successful it is, I think the more it undercuts whatever effective message it might have had. Mm-hmm. Not going to get into that again. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... But we also mentioned it on our actual episode on The Joker that at the end of the day, a lot of people worked on this outside of Todd Phillips. Um, and the success of this will mean a lot of opportunity and success for a lot of people that are connected with it in various capacities. And for, for that alone, it's a good thing. Um, and at the end of the day, you and I both work in the industry, so it's just good when things go well. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's surprising sometimes. It is, yeah. Uh, you and I have very mixed feelings about the whole thing, but, you know, I mean, realistically, like, this movie's going to just kind of fade out eventually. Like, it's yeah. going to make a fuckload of money, and then I think people, after the award season, when it probably doesn't win any Oscars, people will just... And like, everyone oh. has their hands up in the air. Oh, my God, there's no love for comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to respect the genre, folks. This isn't a comic book movie. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. If there have been any comic book movies of late that deserve any sort of awards attention, frankly, it should be Endgame. I was going to say Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Well, that too. Teen Titans Go to the Movies is a goddamn classic. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, Endgame is a, an unbelievable achievement in mm-hmm. filmmaking. I mean, it'll, it'll probably get it, it's like a unique award. I, I mean, they don't really do unique awards. Yeah, but we also don't usually have movies that take 20 years to tell a story. But that, I mean, that doesn't, I think for for the Academy and for a huge swath of its voters who, not to generalize, but I think maybe have a similar mindset to uh, They still do Scorsese. like Outstanding Achievement Awards. Yeah, but like... one to Feige. I mean, they'll, they'll sometimes present... Um, like yeah, like individual achievement awards. They love to reward themselves. Yes, themselves. <laughs> they love to reward individuals for accomplishments, but it's they basically never go like, "Hey, we don't want to give this movie best picture, but it's deserving of some sort of recognition." So here's some random bonus like award. Mm-hmm. One, they don't do that because I think it it then undercuts the message of best picture, which is supposed to be like the best film of the year. However, you want to cut that. Yeah. Um, and then also it, it sort of becomes this like like tokenized award a little bit of like, Oh, like it's, it means it's the same reason when for a lot of reasons, having a best animated movie is, um, kind of a bad thing. Okay. I because, that because then it basically just goes like, Oh, well, because you have your own separate category, we don't have to 
include you in the real award. Yeah. That's why so few animated movies to this day actually get Best Picture nominations. And the fact that Beauty and the Beast got it back in 91. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Is a huge achievement. Well, did, anim did the animation category exist in 91? No. I didn't think so, yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. They eventually made an animation category so that animated movies get recognized and that in of itself is a good thing. But it, it also is a way of being like, you don't fit the same sort of criteria as a quote-unquote real film. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like across the board. Like a lot of... Uh, organizations within the industry just don't really recognize animation, which you and I obviously mm -hmm. have major oh, yeah, problems there, there with. There was um, there was an interview with with people on the on the board, the people that do all the like reviews and votings for the Oscars, mm -hmm. and a lot of them were like, well, yeah, when it comes to animated movie, I just ask my kid which movie he liked the best. Yeah, and like they don't watch they don't watch any of the animated shorts. That's why it always goes to Disney. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the the other problem with the shorts is there's still no good distribution platform for that. Mm -hmm. Like a handful of theaters in LA will do like short screenings. They'll show all of the shorts, you know, over a two and a half whatever hour period. Yeah. But even I'm not 100 certain where the theaters are. It's not even major stuff like the ArcLight. It's like no AMC does it. Does AMC do it? Yeah, AMC will do it. Uh, usually two weeks before and two weeks after the Oscars. Okay, but so they'll do like a handful of showings for each. And, you know, look, that's good. But also at the end of the day, like maybe they should just put all that, a lot of that stuff up online. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, a lot of it is people just because it's not in a theater and because the Internet is so vast, just no one ever sees. Them well, yeah. Online. What I'm saying is like, like there's no advertising for. Yeah. Them. The Academy should just go ahead and put them up online mm -hmm. and be like, hey, here are the shorts. That way, anyone has a chance to watch them going into it. And I think people would actually then be more... If people actually had a chance to watch them, they'd be more invested in them, both as an audience and as a voting member. And then I think that the whatever sort of like positive momentum could come out of them after the fact would be greater. Because right now, it's basically like, hey, if you're, your short gets an Oscar, one, that's amazing. That's incredible that you have like... I feel like... What is it? Like Peter Capaldi or someone like random has like a... a like a pretty big name actor has a best short oscar oh that's interesting i forget who it is i think it might be capaldi i can't remember but you know then if maybe you don't win at least if they're accessible people will go through and watch them and be like oh well that was my personal favorite didn't win but hey what's that person doing now what's that filmmaker working on let me go figure out what's happening yeah um we've gone down a whole tangent here <laughs> I, did, I did want to say before before we jump off the joker train yeah uh there was a a, a wonderful interview with nick kroll uh, who, do you like Nick Kroll? I love Nick Kroll. Okay, good. Me too. It was, uh, it was a big hit interview, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he, he was talking about the Todd Phillips thing. Uh, and we talked about it ad nauseum at this point of the tweet, uh, how comedy is dead. Uh, and Big You just Mouth, can't be funny anymore. Yeah, you can't you be funny. Can't. And, and Nick Kroll's like, we did a whole song about, we did a whole ballad about girls on their first period. Like, you can make comedy. You can still make raunchy comedy. Yeah. You just can't do it at the expense of people. That, I mean, that's it's not exactly, hard. Yeah, that's exactly what it comes down to. It's like people who have always been the butt of the joke just shouldn't be the butt of the joke anymore. Yeah, like Big Mouth is probably the raunchiest show we have. I actually haven't seen it right yet. Now. I really need to watch it's, it. It's great. I but feel like I would love it. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> they, there was a whole musical number about uh, uh, like a whole uh, subplot of an episode was one of the kids is trying to... Uh, 
take the perfect dick pic to send to his cousin. Oh, they talk about that yeah, in the yeah. interview. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that show is is unbelievable. The stuff they yeah. get away with, and you know, it, it's the whole like wild west of Netflix ratings. Uh, they don't have to, you know, kind of abide by the same rules as network ratings. Oh no, uh, so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and he even talks about like uh, one of the characters uh, came out as trans and the i think it was trans and the trans community like bit back at that and like okay cool thank you for your input and we like we fixed the character yeah based off of the and like that's how you have to handle these situations right well, now i think where oh there it is oh my god she's back on the dot it's it really is like every saturday excuse me Today's Sunday, right? Today's Sunday. Today's Sunday. Every Sunday morning at 10, 10.30, she's always stuck up that goddamn motorcycle. But Okay. Um, I think what's important with comedy now is it has to come from a place of truth, mm-hmm. where a lot of comedy in the past was coming from a place of stereotype. And I think if, in the case of like that trans character, people still don't fully understand that truth, then there's room for a little bit of pushback and then hopefully some adjustment to make it more truthful. Mm-hmm. But the goal should always be to come from that sort of like sincere, empathetic place of truth and not just being like, hey, this is a stereotype about people. Let's just yeah. throw that up on screen because I don't make people laugh. Do you think it's funny how this kind of person walks like this? Oh my God, it's this so kind of person funny. Walks like this. And I love that joke so much just because like how like that's the joke of jokes now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's how you know you're a hack. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about everyone's walk. Um, all right. So a little bit else in terms of news. The only other big thing that happened this last week was obviously the final trailer for, uh, the little rise of Skywalker. Yes. Um, looks good. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm really excited about it too. I mean, have you gotten into theory world yet? I look, I'm actively avoiding that. The only place that I did was, uh, don't send us your theories. Don't send us your theories, but like, look, you can, you can check off Tim talk bingo. As I mentioned, the empire podcast here, the what, uh, it's a podcast about the Roman empire. Can you spell it out for me? Just so I have it right. Yeah. It's, uh, E M P Y Y Y Y Y E R. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Unique. Very unique spelling. Yeah. They like to do something a little bit different with it. Well, I guess they, they're trying to stay away from the empire magazine. Because there's yeah, kind of too they much don't want to confuse themselves with yeah. the fantastic British film magazine mm-hmm. Empire. Yeah, <laughs> got to completely differentiate. Mm-hmm. But no, they did a uh, like a not a trailer reaction, but a, uh, a trailer breakdown basically, and they just kind of went through it like bit by bit and talked about it. And they they threw out some some like small theories here and there, like nothing major. They had like some speculation of where things might fall within the film, but nothing yeah. really getting into. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, like there's nothing that gets into like. Spore territory. It's not like they're commenting on internet rumors. They're just talking about what their impressions are of the trailer. Which you is... see on this frame, you can see the time travel device exactly. held by C-3PO. Yeah, look, it, it looks really fantastic. Um, you know, you and I are, are, are big Star Wars fans. And in, uh, both came out of The Last Jedi a little disappointed. It's mm-hmm. something that I do want to revisit for a third time before the, the I think it's still on out. Netflix. I think it is, yeah. Um, so I, I do want to go back to it. And here. also, November 12th, just a few short weeks away. That's true. It's all going up. a small thing called Disney Plus coming out. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. Uh, well, actually, so along those lines, uh, one of the little stories that came out that I 
was uh, intrigued by was you and McGregor are talking about how long he's known about this. Apparently it's been four years. Wow. So that would line up with about when he did his voice cameo for The Force Awakens during that like weird Force Flash mm-hmm. sequence. So they probably came to him with the project in some capacity. I'm not sure if it was a movie or it was a TV show or what, but like he would have known he was doing something back in like 2015. Okay. And he's been having to just lie to everyone for the last four years. I mean, that makes sense though. It totally does. I mean, that, that's pretty typical, but I just thought it was absolutely crazy how long that had been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, in, in terms of the rise of Skywalker, like I am excited for this. We were both a little bit let down by the last Jedi. I have worries about, um, J.J. Abrams trying to overcourse correct because I think... Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah, I think Ryan Johnson went places that J.J. wouldn't have. I, honestly, I would see it as the funniest thing ever if he just picked up from Force Awakens and acted like last year it didn't even didn't happen. Didn't even happen. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. The whole thing's kind of weird in terms of how this trilogy's been approached. I, I think it's pretty clear that they didn't have a, a, a cohesive vision going all the way through. So part of me actually would kind of love to have seen the version that would have been directed by uh, Ryan Johnson. I don't mm-hmm. think he was ever actually really in contention for it. I think they, they actively didn't want him to direct. Well, yeah, they wanted a different director for all three. Yeah, and that didn't really pan out, right. ultimately. Um, I don't know. I think it would have been interesting to see him push things so crazy with The Last Jedi and then have to bring it back in some sense. Um, and I think J.J. is going to like kind of fix things maybe they don't need to necessarily be fixed but that being said like the trailer looks spectacular yeah um and i guess if this movie is kind of like the force awakens and that it's like really fun and feels star warsy even if it's a little bit rehashy I'll, I'll probably find it satisfying yeah i think they just want especially after the game of thrones fiasco i think they just Woo! want a safe ending yeah which i don't know Mixed thoughts on that. <laughs> it was um, on the, I think it was on the Game of Thrones Reddit. Someone was making a joke about three uh, PO the broken is going to is going to rule the oh galaxy. Oh my god, that's fantastic! That's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like who who has the greatest story here? Well, obviously this golden droid, the broken droid, three PO. The uh, he deserves to be king. Yeah, the, one of two characters that has been in every <laughs> single Star Wars mm-hmm. movie, and actually at this point. The only actor that has been, because mm-hmm. of course Kenny Baker passed away a few years ago. Yeah, and I think even then, the last, I think since the Force Awakens, most of that has been the really impressive uh, robotics, fully operating robotic R two D twos that are now out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I mean super excited for this. Obviously, yeah. crazy excited. I got my lightsabers ready. You just got a lightsaber. I, knew, I just another I know, one. I, know. I just got. Enough. Another one. Uh, I did turn them both on this morning, and of it was did. Uh, very, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very irresponsible. Yeah. Uh, but shall we dive into uh, our final episode of Zeta at this point? Let's do it. All right. So, uh, oh, oh, quick, quick side tangent already. Uh, did I tell you that I got caught out by work uh, for being a a walking Disney Plus sponsor? <laughs> no. Because of this podcast or just in no, general? No, 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 no. I, we, I was in a brainstorm meeting for some not even Disney-related thing, and we were talking about something. And they're like, yeah, I wish I could just, like, I just, like, have everything in one spot. I'm like, well, did you know on November 12th, oh there's a service coming out called Disney? And, like, there's, like, three other people that, that are on the campaign with me. They're like, Cameron, shut up about Disney+. Plus. 
And I'm like, it's only $6.99 a month, guy. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's yeah. going to be amazing. Have you figured out what's the first thing you're going to watch? I, I don't know yet. My, my friend sent me <clears throat> a list. I don't know if it's from an official spot anywhere or if he just had a very slow day at work. But he, he sent me an Excel, doc, an Excel checklist of all 613 things coming day one. I'm just sounding more and more like a sponsor. I mean, yeah. If, if, you only, now, if only Disney were paying us for all yeah. this free advertising. If you act in the next five minutes... 855-4321. That's 855-4321. You too can get three sets of knives with your Disney what, Plus subscription. What number is that? I don't know. Everyone, please don't go call that number. <laughs> we don't know whose it is. It's not Cameron's. So, but yeah, uh, within, oh, how about this? If you send Cameron an Instagram... That, that's a great deal, but how about this? Yeah. If, you, if you send Cameron an Instagram message by 7 a.m. the Tuesday <laughs> this comes out, he will pay for your Disney Plus subscription. You know what? I'm not above it. Because <laughs> you, you said The Mandalorian is going to be your first thing, right? I, I think so. Yeah, it probably will be. I think yeah. it's the thing I'm most excited about. Because I'll, I'll want to dive into something new rather than just seeing something that I've seen before. I'm trying to think if there's like a Disney movie that's, that I haven't been able to find anywhere... Might or show, I don't know, maybe I don't know. Cats don't dance isn't a Disney I, well, film. I, I so. already own that now on three platforms. Uh, of course you do. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get too far down the okay, Disney yeah, Plus hole. Uh, all right. So our last episode is Ada here. The hologram. The man. hologram man. Hologram man. I actually quite liked this episode. Um, they actually had a lot of story to cover. I, I think they had so much. I did you remember who Brothers Day was? I had vaguely recalled it because... Because I don't ever remember them mentioning that name well, before. They mentioned it in uh, The Wired Part 1 and 2, so the mm -hmm. the opening of this season, they mentioned it. And I feel like it popped up maybe at least once or twice It popped up because when I, when I did my uh, shortlist, I, I read the synopsis of every episode again, Yeah, uh, which was so much more pleasurable than rewatching the episodes. Agreed. <clears throat> um, they mentioned it when the NSA took Bucky in. Okay, that's right. Uh, Bennett said that he was working for Black... Nope. Brothers Black Day. Is, Brothers Day. Yeah, Black is Night? Yeah, I was going to say Black is Night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Brothers Day is this very vague terrorist organization um, that had... Uh, involved Zeta's last mission as a, an NSA operative. So mm -hmm. he was trying They're to They're also, get, like, anti-synthoid. Which we only, I think, learned in this episode. Great. I think at this point they were just kind of this weird background organization. He was on some sort of he was on a mission to get some data from them, and he impersonated this dude uh, who was potentially working with them. It's a whole thing. I think that was all in the Wired. Um, but in this episode, we learned that uh, there's this guy. Where it is named Titus Sweet, who I think maybe was in that first episode. Of I think so. I think so. Yeah, it might have just been another generic big guy yeah that's that's true they're not super differentiated um but it is noteworthy because of course it is oh my god oh uh robert costanzo who was the voice of bullock on okay Vitas. that's why that voice that's sounds, why that voice so, sounds familiar. so familiar yeah um but so he he is an anti-synth he's one of the head members of brothers day which is an anti-synthite organization and so basically what happens is the episode starts out with Ro and Zeta going to an NSA debriefing post. And we discover that it's, you know, a very 
generic looking building and the behind it is this massive sprawling uh, organization a la the Ministry of Magic. Mm-hmm. Although they don't go in through the toilets, they go in through phone booths. Uh, but it's where all of the Synthoids come in and out to get their mission orders to be debriefed. And there's a shitload of them. Also, he is a wanted criminal still and just goes in as himself. Yeah. Why don't why not disguise yourself as a different synthoid? I mean, if there's so many other models out there. I know. I mean, there's there's so much to that. The idea that there's no sort of uh, You're identification walking process. In. Yeah. He just he like sneaks. He uses the basic synthoid technology that he's presented with to sneak into a facility exclusively designed to allow the ingress and egress of synthoids. I, I, I was thinking about this as the episode was going on, because we see him do it throughout the, the series, but he does it so much in this episode where he like uses his, his uh, R2-D2 it's It's the, the, c- the kinder version of Robocop's like, data spike that yeah. comes out of his hand. I, I called it his, his Oxport. I like it. Um, I, I would have loved if they did an episode in the future... Uh, where they have to use past technology that doesn't have an aux port. And he's just like, I, I can't communicate with this. I don't know what it's doing. And I don't know how to use this Firewire yeah. 2.0 yeah, cable. And, and Ro is just like, it's a keyboard. It's a keyboard. You just type, Zeta. He's like, I don't. That's not in my programming. I uh, never learned how to type. That joke has been done in Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Well, that that's beyond my knowledge. Okay. Does that have data? No. This is with the original series cast. So it's Star Trek II, The Rethicon, the greatest Star Trek movie ever yeah, made. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, it's called Into Darkness. Yes, exactly. They remade it into Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, which is not particularly good, but it, it sets up why... Is it, is it supposed to be the evens are good and the odds are bad? Yes. Okay. That's... And then that rule got broken with Nemesis, which was 10, and then... The... It was bad. Yeah, Nemesis isn't particularly good, and then the Star Trek reboot is 11, so then it got mm-hmm. good again, and then... T- into darkness is 12 <laughs> not very good i really like star trek beyond it, it's it's a quite a bit of a departure from the the jj ones would make sense justin lynn's different director but i quite like it um and then we haven't had one since then so who knows the next one might be that weird quentin tarantino one great i don't think we need I'm it in. I, I look i don't think we need that movie but also i really love that cast wait, 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 hold on, so hold on. uh but to in in the order of star trek films where is galaxy quest Oh, like in terms of the best? No, in, in terms of numbers. Like, if you include Galaxy Quest, does that fix the numbering? Like, is that before Voyage? Uh, oh, no, make... no. I mean, Galaxy Quest would have come out... 97, During 98. the era of next-generation films. Mm-hmm. Um, let me... Okay, this is a really important question. <laughs> this <laughs> is more important. Than t- okay, so Galaxy Quest came out in 1999. Okay, damn. So, then, yes. Wait, <laughs> shit, hang on. Because I... Um, I think that does... When was Voyage? Oh, no. Voyage Home was the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Was there no movie between the 80s and no, no, no. the reboot? No, no, no. So then they they basically were making movies... They were making original series cast movies into early 90s, well after The Next Generation was already on. Gotcha. It was already airing. And then uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country is the last... I hate you. I, I, hate, I hate this. Now you know how you sound. <laughs> Right. I don't know what you mean. What I what I say is important. <laughs> so then they were still making original series movies that ended, and then after the next generation ended, they did Generations, which is not particularly good, but it like wraps up elements of both 
Is it, is it like that series of Power Rangers where they turn into the former Power Rangers? Yes. Cool. Got I was going to say yes. Uh, and then, <laughs> I get it. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. And then 97 is First Contact, which is amazing. Okay. I mean, it's basically the Next Generation's version of Wrath of Khan, but it's actually legitimately really good. Mm-hmm. And then I need to look up. Is it The Revenge of Khan? It is. Okay. Uh, wait. The okay. Rise of Khan. Okay. Let me look up. I, I, I'm pretty sure 90, was it 97 or 98 was, okay, here we go. Okay, 96. Okay, 96 is first contact. Ah, oh, damn, it doesn't fix it because 1998 is Star Trek Insurrections, which is not particularly good. But then Galaxy Quest is 99. So actually, no, it does fix it because Galaxy Quest would have been like the 10th quote unquote Star Trek film if you're going to consider it amongst the canon. Yeah. Fixes it. There we go. Boom. And most people do, right? Well, I mean, everyone, I, I once read an article that basically was like, what's the best Star Trek movie ever made, The Wrath of Khan or Galaxy Quest? And ultimately, I think they gave it to Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it's amazing. It legitimately is. Like, I, I can't think of any other film or TV show that has done that than the same level of success. That idea of let's take a cast of characters who, like, play something and make it real. Mm-hmm. Like, I read a book once that um, did that with, like, a spy. He's, like, an actor, but he, like, kind of brought into the world of espionage. It didn't really quite work. And um, you probably have examples of this in other places. I'm trying to think about, um, you know, there must be something out there of like a superhero actor all of a sudden having to be a superhero, but like last no, action hero. Mm, no, I don't think that's quite right okay. because he's still the, he's the TV show character pulled into the real world. Okay. That's this true. Is sort of the opposite. Well, I'm trying to think like what could, what, fr- like what kind of franchise could you do that with nowadays? Harry Potter would be funny. Uh, you know, the thing is Daniel Radcliffe would, would be, so do be it so and like he would do it and he'd be so good in oh, that. both him and rupert green would do it yeah in a heartbeat and i think if you, the script were good enough i could see emma watson maybe mm-hmm. being on board i think she had a pretty good sense of humor yeah um but yeah no one's done this as well as galaxy quest which is guys we haven't seen galaxy quest it's legitimately it's yeah amazing it's look as someone who's never seen an episode of star trek i love that movie it's, it's a great film and so i mean i've talked about my description before of what makes a good movie it's something that knows what it wants to be it succeeds by that definition, this totally fits. It's also Alan Rickman. It's also Alan Rickman. And I would like, it is, I also have another class, like classification of film, which is a perfect film, which is a movie that I would change nothing on. There's only one thing I would change on Galaxy Quest. And there's a really obvious moment when clearly Sigourney Weaver says, fuck that. And they change it to screw that. And I really wish they just kept it and that was its one F-bomb. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I would do. Otherwise, the movie's perfect. Anywho, we're back on Zeta. All right. <laughs> I'm going to try and stop you from continuing to derail us. You have no power I here. I really don't. Okay, but they go into this debriefing center. There's tons of synthoids. There's a synthoid dog, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Zeta's there because he wants to figure out what's up with this module that was brought up in uh the season two premiere with the wired part ones and parts one and two mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe it was mentioned once more at some point i just can't remember where but he has this weird module that uh, was yeah in in um the episode with bennett's kid oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah quality time yeah 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 because it's like i don't hate you even though that changes immediately it does it's like does. i like you you could be doing good but you could also have ulterior motives yeah you could be dangerous mm-hmm. you are dangerous and you could be more dangerous than you realize so, yeah Zeta's trying to figure out what this module is because NSA didn't put it in there. Brother's Day put it in, did not put it in there. So who put it in there? He's trying to figure it out. So he's hoping that if he goes and he compares his uh, internal memory records with the debrief versions that are stored at the this base, 
he might be able to find uh, some sort of gap that could explain what this thing is. But yeah. while he's there, he sees Dr. Selig. <gasps> bum, oh bum, my God. Bum. Finally, since the end of season one, Dr. Selig is back. Um, oh yeah, I guess the last time we did see him was in the cry- in that weird cryo The weird episode. cryo one, absolute zero, yeah. So then uh, they follow him, they follow Dr. Selig to some sort of like, you know, scrapyard, basically. And they see him doing some sort of deal with Titus Sweet of Brothers, Brothers Day. Day. Uh, Black's Night. <laughs> don't, nope. Nope. <laughs> and then... Uh, like a shootout ensues. There's actually thought that was kind of a cool moment where Zeta gets dropped into that, um, like that molten pit and like starts to overheat. And then there's no real payoff for it. Oh no. He, he cuts a hole at the base of the molten pit whenever. Yeah. We're all the, the, cause I was waiting for just a wall of lava to come out. Yeah. Also, I don't think they ever have like m- molten scrap metal pits outside. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's always like contained in some sort of facility. Yeah. I was going to say, or built up. I think it's usually dug down. Yeah. Um, actually, do those actually exist anywhere? I'm sure they have to. I mean, I, well, you don't know this, but they, of course, exist in the Terminator world because there's a pivotal sequence in Terminator 2. Well, I was going to say in Kids Next Door, they exist. Oh, they do? Well, I mean, there, there's a great, so there, there's a, a theme where I'm going to stretch God, this episode God, out. God man. Damn, we have so much to talk about, Cameron. There's a, Make it quick. A string of episodes that I think they do one a season where it's the delightful children's birthday episode. Delightful children being the villains yes, across I'm, the way. Yes, I'm aware. For those unaware, uh, every season they have an episode where it's their birthday, and the kids next door, every season they want to steal their birthday cake because uh, the delightful children don't want to share it with other kids. So they want to share it and give it to the rest of the kids. Basically, the kids are Bernie <laughs> Sanders. Yes, I get it. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a socialism thing. I, I, I get this political allegory yeah. and, from and so 20 of, years ago <laughs> so one of the one of the uh one of the times is they're building a giant uh birthday cake and they're trapping the kids that want to eat it in the batter and it's the same like giant thing and they're it's like molten pit yeah Fan- fantastic yes, but it's molten batter thank thank you for that barely relevant reference uh, you can cut that up if you want i i know i'm keeping it in there so people can judge you the way i'm judging you it's a great show kids next door is so good i know cameron and it's a great episode it's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about star trek <laughs> but no so like it's it's kind of a cool sequence like zeta is like his temperature spikes and he's like glowing hot red um it's just a cool look and then of course he like bursts a fire extinguisher and is back to normal yeah, it's kind of dumb, but they discover that's actually not Selig. It's this guy, Marcus Edmund, who was the bum, bum, bum. I'm on three hours. Of sleep. I know it's, it, we're struggling here. Uh, it, it, he's the guy who pioneered the hologram technology that's built into the Zeta. So mm-hmm. Marcus has his own kind of uh, wrist device that allows him to mimic Zeta's ability to project holograms. And so it turns out that he is basically being Forced by Brother's Eye, Brother's Day, excuse me. Blackest Night. He's he's being forced by them uh, to infiltrate what's called the Gnosis, which is this uh, floating lab where Dr. Selig is based and where Zeta and all the other synthoids were constructed. And he's going to do it by continuing to impersonate Selig. Mm -hmm. So Zeta and Ro decide that they're going to do that in... Marcus's place. So Zeta sure. is disguised 
as this Marcus, the episode got weird for me. Disguised as Dr. Selig. Yeah. Ro is now using one of the, the wrist devices to be disguised as a, a, a bodyguard henchman. As a, as a henchman. I'm now actively avoiding you saying the phrase Brother's Day. Uh, as a henchman. What's where am I with my notes? Here? I actually have a lot of notes because a lot happens in this episode. Holy shit. Um, yeah, there's, they pack a ton of stuff in this oh, episode. Yeah. So then they're going to attack the base uh, via submarine, mm-hmm. which is loaded with a bunch of explosives. While that's going on, Bennett learns through the most unusual technology. Oh, this was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So they're looking at security footage, and I guess they have a video filter to tell when someone on video is using hologram technology. Yeah. And they find out that it's not Selig. And so now the floating base is on high alert. And, uh, and yeah, and like the submarine gets attacked by some ships. They shoot some of them down. Uh, Brothers Day immediately just gives up. Yeah, they're going to surrender. Zeta's like, no, we have to keep going. He steals a pod and uh, escapes with Roe to go to the facility. Uh, Titus realizes like, oh, that's a good idea. And he blows up one of the escape pods to make it seem like the submarine was destroyed. Um, surprising amount of apparent death in this episode, actually. Yeah. For a kid's cartoon. We'll, we'll get to that further down the line. Um, so they get to the floating fortress and they discover that they are now building very Terminator style, uh, semi-organic synthoids. So obviously this ties. I wonder if this is going to come back up. This is interesting. I know. Right. Will we ever learn more about this? Like so, this ties in with uh, quality time. That episode where Doctor Selig was trying to get the DNA sequence of starfish that can uh, regenerate parts of their limbs, mm-hmm. right? But it still doesn't really talk about the why he was in the cryo place. Yeah, they never. So don't, so don't yeah, get that, that, one. They, that one still hasn't really ever been explained fully, um, nor will it ever probably. Yeah. But so they're building these things, uh, and then Ro and Zeta spot Andrea, who's Selig's assistant, who we met in Absolute Zero, that cryo episode. That's right. I was wondering I had to, why I had to look it up. we were supposed to know who she that was. was. Yes, that came up again. And then Bennett, of course, arrives at the same time. And uh, Zeta finally meets Selig. Proper Selig. Maybe. We'll get to that. And Selig says... And still doesn't reveal... It's so I, I know. Let's, frustrating. Hang on, Cameron. Let me explain what happens. They get into the room, and Zeta like brings up a hologram of all the Zeta engineers, the same hologram he's looking at this whole time. And Selig walks in, is like, oh, yeah, reminiscing. He's like, well, I have no reason not to tell you, random stranger, that... Uh, random stranger, who's probably a government official yeah. on this secret government uh, base. Secret government base. That I've been going against the government this whole time. Exactly. Uh, that, yeah, he installed this module, which essentially worked as a, uh, a conscience for Zeta. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, and I had a lot of plans for that module that, and I that guess, pesky boy of and mine. i guess i will tell you random stranger what those things were and then titus has shown up and set off a whole bunch of bombs and now the whole place is evacuating and at no point oh and also bennett overheard this whole thing and ben overhears the whole thing and at no point does Zeta go wait i'm zeta i'm your son until after papa until after selling's been dragged out of the room by andrea and then at that point zeta's like wait papa i'm zeta papa Geppetto! Papa, can you hear me? Come back. Papa, can you see no. me? No. Papa, can... What is that even from? Oh, it's it's uh, a weird musical. I don't remember. You're supposed to know these things. <laughs> it's like Fido or something. Doesn't matter. 
No, it matters now. Fiddler on the Roof, who knows? No, it's not that. I, I don't know. I've never seen that. So uh, Selig gets put into a, an escape pod, and then Titus sees that it's Selig and chase after him and shoots down the uh, the escape pod and crashes in the water. Yentl. Thank you. Barbra Streisand. Thank you. Uh, shoots down the uh, the escape pod, and then Selig is presumed dead. Um, and the bombs go. The bombs keep going off, and then everyone escapes. And Zeta's like, "Oh my god! Like I never got an answer. Like I now know where this thing." If only came there from. wasn't this submarine that we used to get in here that's still active underneath this exploding. Or city. he could have like jumped in the water and gone after. Yeah, him. if only I he, could he, breathe underwater. Yeah, if only I was a robot that had propeller feet, I could go and save him. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the the whole thing ends with um, Ro and Zeta now knowing where the module came from and that Zeta was designed to have this sort of awareness, but not knowing what the plans were intended for him or what Selig had planned with these uh, self-generating synthoids. Bennett now knows this information, but do we know if he actually believes Selig or not? Um, It's all unclear. And then, of course, the show ends with a cliffhanger, which is uh, a robot hand popping out of the water and we see that it's a self-repairing synthoid basically the just a thumbs up yeah do you know the thumbs up i know the thumbs up who doesn't know the thumbs up i don't know someone who hasn't seen terminator 2 yeah but i know the references (laughs) okay it's in everything all right it is it is inescapable it's inevitable in a lot of ways okay so i am inevitable. inevitable all right so that is that's Zeta. We did it. That's the episode. Thanks so, for listening, everybody. We will get into what season three would have looked like. We got a lot of really amazing information from Maddie Washburn. But do you have other thoughts on this episode in particular or like the show in general before we jump into what could have happened after this? Um, no, I, I think your explanation at the beginning of how these early 2000 shows are two episodes of story and 22 episodes of filler. Yeah. Um, that hit it right on the head. And when you explain it like that, it's so frustrating to look back at all of my favorite shows. I'm like, fuck, that is exactly yeah. what it is. I mean, I, I think it was a certain kind of show that fit this. I think a lot of, I think Warner Brothers in particular really stuck to this format. We've talked about it before that Jackie Chan Adventures is structured this way, although at least like each individual episode is. It feels it's, it's like it's moving the. Well, I mean, because there is like a clear end goal. From episode one, yeah. Every episode, even though it's its own independent episode, it feels like you are moving forward. Well, because there are, you know, a what, a dozen MacGuffins. Yeah, there's thirteen talismen, so that means they have thirteen episodes in the well, middle. Yeah. yeah, you have one every talisman they take. That means you're one closer to the finale. Exactly. Even though there's extra filler in the yeah. middle of all that yeah there are there are one-off episodes within that but ultimately that show really does have a pretty clear trajectory but i also i've referenced this before uh you know the mummy had an animated series around the same time which is mm-hmm. you know it was fun but i remember that too being a situation where like usually they were trying to build some sort of amulet from desperate pieces spread across the globe and you know every few episodes they'd go and get another one but there's a lot of random offshoot things and ultimately yeah. it's like it's the last episode where they finally get all the pieces together. It builds, the big monster comes out, and then they defeat it. Same with Jackie Chan Adventures. Mm-hmm. You know, but other ones were a little more sophisticated. I mean, uh, X-Men Evolution, I'd say, was a show that was more in the line with Beast Hoss. Makes sense, because a lot of the same creatives. Mm-hmm. Where it was primarily episodic, but there were overarching stories going along, and there were beats along the way that hit that. And obviously, uh, the most storytelling was usually done in the finale. But, you know, there, there was actual important episodes along the way and uh 
things happened. Episodes mattered. Yeah. Teen Titans is another big one. Yeah. Where you'd kind of only have Slade and... Like Slade. The, Slade. Uh, in episode one and episode 24. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, everything in between. The, the, the characters developed in every episode. Yeah. And I think that's... Starfire got a pet, and that became a big deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. You know, and Silky. I, th- I think that's where maybe this show fell off a little bit, was that it was... It, it didn't strike that balance really well of being either episodic or serialized. It was basically episodic with serialized end caps, which mm-hmm. then means a lot of stuff in the middle is inconsequential, and it just... It never really lived up to its potential. What foreshadowing for our lists. I know, right? <laughs> it, it never really just lived up to its potential. And, you know, look, we've been shitting on it most of the time we've been doing this. But, you know, as we've even said in this episode, like, we always have a lot of respect for the effort that goes into this sort of stuff. And, and we have tried. We have tried to find, like, where we could tell they were trying to do I mean, you, something. You tried a little harder than I did. I tried a little bit harder, I know. But, like, you look, I think, like, Robert Goodman had intentions with this could have been and I, I think he was just really stuck with shit notes from the, the studio the yeah the and day. also i i don't think i've talked about this in a while but i know i've brought it up before uh this is the era of animation where studios are taking back control we're we're now out of the 90s period where the creators basically ran everything up until like they ran out of money the yeah. creators had full control over everything they were doing yeah this is kind of the overcorrection show where the um where the studio had you know more than one hand in this cookie jar yeah and we didn't really do a lot of dive into like the the background politics of say superman the animated series or even batman beyond of a you know clue there was that sort of stuff happening but i think that show those shows were still creators shows at the end of the day like they they were still you know pretty good although you know the hits and misses along mm-hmm. the way this one just felt the most like it was struggling to get sort of traction and then of course right at the end it starts to now do you do you want to do our short list first and then go into season three or is season three then the short list uh let's do season three first okay so basically um we you know we talked about the fact that the show ends on a cliffhanger this idea that this this hand pops out of the water now who do you think that is arnold schwarzenegger Absolutely, he was going to be in the entirety of season three. It was, it was the going most to be expensive the most cartoon ever made. Ambitious crossover ever of early two thousands animation. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this was at the point when like Terminator was really struggling to get on its feet back, get back on its feet. So I could. Totally was there ever a Terminator animated series? I don't think so. No, not that I'm aware of. Because I mean, they was, had the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Which apparently was really good. It was really good. I never watched it. Yeah, Summer Glau. Yeah. I love her. Well, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, but okay, no, whose hand do you think that is? Probably out of the, the water. I mean, R- Robot Selig. No, it's Andrea. It's the assistant. Great. So. Oh, I don't care. So <laughs> basically what happened was, um, Goodman and his other creatives were pretty certain the show was going to end, but the studio told the base studio gave him a mandate, which was the, your, your only chance of getting renewed is to have this end on a cliffhanger because they really believe, a lot of studios still believe that is necessary to keep the buzz going between seasons. You got to end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. So, so you got to have that water cooler talk. Yeah. Or that water fountain, I guess that water fountain talk because the kids show. Yeah. They kids go. use water fountains and not water coolers. She's so, she's so clever. Well done. 
so that had to be there. So they had to kind of find a compromise. So the compromise was that Zeta got some resolution with understanding where the module came from. Mm-hmm. But then so they the mandate was specifically that Selig had to appear to die at the end. That was like <sighs> definitely a mandate. So what they were teeing up was that Andrea is his bodyguard, who is one of the new organic synthoid robots. Mm-hmm. And so Goodman has even said that from his perspective, that hand coming out is definitely hers. That was always the intent. And that what we don't see is her bringing Selig out of the water. So he is now alive. So season three would have addressed the fact that Selig is alive and Andrea is one of these new super advanced robots. It would have um, dived further into the idea about these uh, or semi-organic synthoids that are being teed up here. Um, but the show was kind of like on, you know, the phrase on the bubble. Like they weren't sure if it's going to get picked up or not. And I guess the studio had a direction they wanted to take it that uh, Goodman didn't agree with to the point where he's even said that maybe it was for the best that they didn't do a season three. And I think you and I may have talked about it off air. I don't think we've ever mentioned it on air. We may have. But one of the things that the studio wanted to do was to introduce the idea that Roe is also a robot. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Maddie sent me a Twitter exchange between uh, Julie Nathanson, who voices Roe, and Robert Goodman, the creator, where she made a comment about feeling like a robot. And his response was, that was a studio mandate. They wanted you to be a robot. She's like, oh, that's weird that you didn't include a wink. He's like, no, not a wink. That's the truth. That's how we learned about it. It was this fantastic Twitter uh, back and forth, but like that's something they wanted to do. So, you know, I guess maybe the Goodman version of season three would have uh, maybe explored further, like the impact of having all these synthoids in the world. Like what happens when they're even more advanced and they can self heal in a way that um, Zeta can't. And he would have been probably put up against more advanced robots than himself, which the IU seven thing never felt that way, even though that was the yeah. intent. So, I mean, honestly, like it would have gotten into sort of, Terminator territory a little bit like that was the whole like one of the big things about Terminator 2 is that the T-800 can't repair himself and the T-1000 is this liquid metal and Mm -hmm. can so like that could have been some interesting stuff but at the same time if they had made it they probably would have tried to force uh, Ro being a robot into it because obviously they even tease a little bit at the end that Ro wants her answers now yeah here here's my pitch for them Go go the route of the like hour and a half movie ending, and there's been some give, give them the yeah give give them the uh, the serenity ending. Yeah, I would generally like to see that. I mean, because I'll do that. I because I if 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 it's that, then I know I don't have to deal with any more bullshit fluff. Yeah, I like give them an hour and the, like just shoehorn everything in yeah. they need to. Because I think when because what about the bounty hunter? What about the bet? Well, he's got to come. What about Crick? Yeah, that was the same. Yeah, like I I think. What about Rod? How did Wes get his job? Where yeah, that's is true. uh? What was her name? The other the other agent? Oh, Agent Lee. Agent what, Lee. What What's up with her? Look, I would. Actually- did Bucky get into middle school? <laughs> Is he still in prison? Maybe. You know, he Does he deserve to, he, it? Yes. He didn't go to prison. He escaped. He was going to go live with his uncle in a tech commune or something. Right, I, I that's right. He was right. going to go hang out with the anti-spacers. Uh, um, look, there are things that I would love to see addressed. Like, I would love for 
Roe to finally reconnect with her family and then have to decide, does she stay with Zeta or go back with her family? I would love the idea that maybe Bennett is now open to the idea that Zeta is uh, not a bad guy. Spinoff. Bennett Zeta. I would watch it. No, I wouldn't. The um, Bennett Project. I, you know, I would love to see that. I would love, yeah, I, I would love to get like some moment that explains why West has that job. I would love to see what happened to Agent Lee. Like, there's enough stuff here that there's story to be told that I would like to see. And I think when this show is actually about something, I think it's decent. I think it's on par with, you know, some like the mid-level episodes of maybe Superman, for example. Like, mm-hmm. I think you and I both... God, that's such a low bar. Look, I know. <laughs> I know. The mid-level episodes of Superman. But, but at the same time, like, I, I think we and I, you and I both more or less kind of... It's enjoy- like on par with like a giant monkey that's, de- that's attacking Metropolis. Oh, I love that episode, all right? <laughs> I fucking love that episode. Uh, monkey Fun, one of my favorites. Look, I think... You and I both more or less kind of enjoyed The Wired, those two episodes, more or less enjoyed this. Um, I would have, I would like to see some sort of resolution to this at some point. I mean, we're still trying to get a JAL reunion happening. I think that's a bit of a stretch. If that can happen, this is maybe more likely to be thrown in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think the reality of us getting some sort of resolution to this is pretty small, considering that we've been having a hard time getting... Uh, more content in the DCAU space, even though that was hugely popular for Beatons for Justice League. To- I mean, it, it's a slow. I mean, we, we just got beat, uh, Batman Beyond on Blu-ray. Yeah, I think that's kind of testing the waters of, of how active the audience still yeah, is. We're in heavy nostalgia mode these days. So look, it's they haven't even touched it in Crisis in, in the Crisis crossover yet. Where are the where's the voices? Yeah, oh my, I mean, we've we talked about this. I would love if there's an animated element in the Crisis. I don't think there will be. I know. I I just think it's they're gonna go into like this dark dark building. You're just gonna hear the voice. Yeah, it's, it's still gonna be live action, but you just don't see the character. Well, I mean, you just hear Kevin Conroy. Well, we are getting him in the Christ. The, That's right. He is there. It's like yeah. I mean, it's there in some capacity. At the end of the day, I'll change it to Phil Lamar because I want him to have more work. Oh my god, I love Phil. You, yeah, you just I hear love Phil Lamar. You you have a room and you just have like an outer glow of green. Yeah, and you hear Phil Lamar. It's like there's something going on over there. You you he, yeah you see like a little bit glow of green uh you see like a little bit of like static electricity and it's yeah. just phil lamar having a conversation with himself yeah and then they don't even go into it that, nope. that's it would love it so i don't know like i think there's some interesting stuff here we probably won't get a a, a follow-up on it but i at least found this episode satisfying i'm satisfied that it's over <laughs> fair enough okay so i mean along those lines shall we get into our our short list our, yes here um I imagine it's very short. I'm, I'm going to just run through yours and then I'll run through mine and we'll, we'll okay. see. What no, I'll, let's see what episode. I, we, we have a system. We do it episode by episode. There's only 22. <sighs> okay. Let me 24. Up, I get the whole list here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So start Cause, cause I, there's some where I want to, I want to have a conversation about. Okay. This. All right. Wait, let me bring up the, uh, the one with the episode descriptions. Cause I just have right now, um, just the, the list. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's start from the beginning. Well, uh, let me, let me ep- give you my pitch first. Kill off season one. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, great. I was I was hoping for some pushback. No. Because I do have some. I, I was, look, I always kind of feel like maybe you need to include the pilot to set things up. But we talked about the fact that... Uh, why? I mean, I guess... What? Absolute Zero kind of into re- Wired is a better intro. Yes. I think we, we basically cut all of season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So then do you include Absolute Zero as the new pilot, essentially? Uh... 
yeah, I, I do think we need to bring in the remote control episode. Do Cause we? Because it, it introduces Bucky, and Bucky is kind of a, a through figure. What, what are I mean, the rules look, he, of this again? So it's... Okay, because I guess we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. So our rule for the short list is, um, is it critical for the overall storytelling of the series? Or is it an episode that we think is so good that it has to be included? Okay. Um, So in that regards, I would agree with you that we start out, uh, Absolute Zero is a good place to start as like a pseudo intro point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to have the Bucky episode because I, of at least the episodes that I have left on my list, Bucky, oh, Bucky is part of Wired, but I don't, the remote doesn't come into play in that one. The remote only comes into play in, um, uh, fuck, what episode is it? On the Wire. Nope. Cabin Pressure. Cabin Pressure. So I don't think we need Bucky. Okay. No. Cool. Great. Fantastic. Okay, so... Uh, so, so we'll, we'll just... Okay, so Absolute chop Zero. Chop this off real quick. Absolute uh, Zero. Accomplice. No. His mother's maker. His maker's name. No. Remote control. No. Change of heart. No. Gen, next gen. No. Westbound. No. Hicksburg. No. Shadows. No. Crime waves. No. Taffy time. Fuck that bounty hunter. No. Rose reunion. No. Kid genius. No. Absolute Zero. Sure. Yes. All right. And then I think we include uh, Wired parts one and two. Yep. Resume mission. Nope. Fuck IU7. Yeah, I think cut out everything with IU7. Hunt in the hub. Nope. Absolutely not. Rose gift. Nope. Lost and found. I said yes. What? Uh, because it does, if we want to try and keep in that weird Blackest Night storyline, uh, Brother's Day storyline, then that, oh, that is the one is that the talks about episode. it. Yeah. This, I forgot about that. This is the flashback episode. Yeah. <sighs> okay, fine. And I think Bucky's also in this one, but whatever we can but, shoehorn in the re- we can shoehorn in Bucky's backstory in this as well. Yeah, I don't think we really need. I, I don't think Bucky is so critical we really need to establish him. So okay, mm-hmm. fine. Lost and found. Uh, I have the storm. Yep. Yeah. Our, our, our vote Obviously. for the, wor- the worst episode of the entire thing, the turn episode. Quality time. I said yes. I said yes too. I'm actually surprised you had it yeah. on here. Okay. Well, right. I'll, I'll rephrase that. I said dot dot dot. Sure, why not? <laughs> I have it on here. Quality time? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll include quality time. Uh, so that's the episode where uh, they go to that lab to get the the there's the whole thing with the starfish DNA. But it's the the real first time Zeta and Bennett have to deal with each other yeah it, it's bennett the backdoor the, pilot for bennett bennett project exactly and bennett and zed have a great conversation about you are more dangerous than you think you are so okay we'll include that yeah. on the wire i said sure i said no okay we can say no i i think if they were trying i mean the row storyline is so forgetful yeah so fast you just want to cut that whole thing out it it doesn't really get like this is the only time so there's that that terrible episode with the the step family and then there's this. The only two yeah, times. Hicksburg. We, yeah, Hicksburg. Yeah. Oh, and then there's uh, Rose Reunion, where it's the family. Oh, that's fake the family. worst one. Yeah, that's absolutely terrible. I don't feel like... I mean, it's it's tough to say we're going to cut out like an entire subplot for one of the two main characters. That's fine. But that being said, this episode... We've already cut out every villain. <laughs> that's true. This episode just isn't that good to start with. And because it doesn't ever any get any real resolution, I said no. I just I cut it out All entirely. Right, totally fine then. 
Because then that's also more Bucky we're cutting out. Yeah, Cabin Pressure. Nope. The River Rising. Nope. Absolutely not. Uh, the Wrong Morph. Nope. The Hologram Man. Got him. Yes. All right. So then our our official... Hang on. Do Okay, do we really need Lost and Found? I kind of want to push back on this a little bit. Let no, me, I, I want it. Let me, okay. Uh, because it's, it's the backstory episode, and even though those aren't always great, they are good to progress story. I guess this is like one of the few episodes that actually has some sort of character progress. Yeah. And we don't really need to introduce Crick from earlier, do we? No, it can just no. be a, a generic bad guy. And you don't really need to know who he is to understand what's happening in the episode. Yeah. So, okay, fine. So our, our official Zeta shortlist here is... Six episodes. Absolute Zero, The Wire, Part 1 and 2, Lost and Found, Quality Time, Hologram Man. Yep. That's it. We got it. We got it. What a show. I'm going to be honest. That's more than I expected. Five is more than you expected. Six is more than you expected. That's about what I expected with six. I, I, I originally went into this thinking it was going to be three. Wired in this. Yeah. In the and, then, and then you, you brought, you have actually, you contributed the most to getting more episodes added onto this. Camera. I know. So I know. Added, you, Cause I am a storyteller and I know what's needed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, um, it's done. It's done. It's closing. Done. This is me closing the book. Great folding. Thank you. Great folding work there with <laughs> On that, the Zeta with project. That, that pillow. You just want an excuse to have a reason to hit that pillow. Yep. Someone at the door? I hate you. I hate you so much. Um, All right. I Shit. am never going to watch this show again. No, absolutely not. Um, and I own it now across two different platforms. Amazing. Uh, did, I, did I talk about the, the Warner app? Can you talk about the Warner app? I can talk about the Warner app. Okay. Why not? Uh, Someone was dumb enough to give me access to the Warner screening app, uh, which basically gives me access to uh, the entirety of Warner's um, backlog. And it, when I say entirety, I mean the entirety of Warner's backlog. Now, I was scrolling through just trying to, like, fill in some of the pieces. They have every Scooby-Doo, every Hanna-Barbera thing, and every DC thing. And I'm like, I wonder. This, show ha this platform has everything. Even they forgot to include Zeta Project. And I think that speaks length about this show's priority in everyone's mind. Look, I I don't disagree with that. The platform had Cats Don't Dance. Oh, of course it did. I know that's the first thing you looked up. It, it literally was the first thing I looked up. I, it's, it's weird. I think, I think it's fair to say that this show is forgotten for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think... I was about to say, I think it gets more of a kicking than it deserves, but I think you and I are the only people actually doing the kicking at this point. Yeah. I, I think, not, we're not even like kicking it while it's down. Like this has been a dead body that we just discovered and we came over with a stick and just started whacking it. I, yeah. I Look, I think it had some people who were really trying to do something interesting with this and it had the potential and it just never quite lived up to that potential. And for that alone, I... I feel bad for like Robert Goodman and Julian Atheson and Dietrich Bader and everyone who like really put in the energy and, and effort into this. Um, and we probably didn't help that at all by spending the last four months, several months, however. uh, really kind of shitting on it. But, um, look, if, if you are a, a, I'm not gonna say a DCAU completist, but if you are all like curious about this, um, and you want to watch it, I don't know if you, I would say, you know what you can do? You can just buy the season two DVD, which is what I did, because that has absolute zero on it. Mm -hmm. 
I think it does. And it has all the episodes you need to watch on it, basically. All six of them. Yeah. So And maybe, then return it. Maybe just do that. Um, not to return it. Like, support the creatives. Yeah. Support right. them. It's not that expensive. It's like 20 bucks. It's not expensive. All right. Shall we get into Notes from Friends here? Let's do it. Move along. All right. Uh, get a few things here. Um, so one, again, want to mention, uh, that Maddie Washburn, amazing Maddie Washburn, uh, sent us all this information on Zeta. She sent us stuff in the live action, um, movie that was referenced on all the stuff that could have been on season three. He's really making a push to try and get some sort of new content out of this, either some sort of follow-up movie in the way we described, or maybe a comic or something somewhere. So, you know, uh, if you are at all interested in seeing more or hearing more about Zeta, which I would be surprised given how much we've been just mean to this whole show. Um, but go look, I'm not going to apologize. No, I, I look, I know, I know you're not going to, but like, uh, yeah, go check out Maddie on, on Twitter and, uh, kind of help support whatever his, his movements are to try and get some more stuff out of this. But, um, and I'll, and I'll include his, uh, his handle in the show notes, but he also sent in something and I don't know if I ever, did we ever talk about, the fact, since we were about ready to get into Static Shock, mm-hmm. it's coming up next. Did we ever talk about the fact that there's the actually only like system. one episode of Sh- Static Shock with Shaq in it, but you think there's like a whole season? I feel like there's like seven episodes of Shaq. So there's a reason for that. There is. And what it, the reason you think there's so much of it is when they were doing that one episode with Shaq, they did a whole bunch of promos with him for the show. Okay. So you probably remember all the promos. So I'm just I'm gonna play the first one here. You're gonna try and get, you're gonna get a little bit garbled uh, sound coming through the microphone, but you've seen him on the courts, you've seen him in the movies, but you've never seen him like this. Static who? This Saturday, superstar Shaquille O'Neal joins Static Shock. Man, I can't believe we're hanging out with Shaq for a special month of supercharged adventures. I'm ready to be a superhero. Can you teach me? You're talking to an expert. Get ready for the all-new adventures of Static Shack, part of Static Shock, beginning this Saturday at 11, 10 Central and Pacific on Kids WB. I will also include this, like a seven, an eight-minute-long video that includes all the different promos because like a whole series of Shaq asking Virgil to teach him how to be a better hero and stuff like that. Um, I think that's what you're thinking of. So like he was front and center in their marketing around the show I for guess. like a month. I think, yeah. I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Well, cause then they had the episodes with the other NBA players though. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think we also just think like, Oh, like Shaq played steel. Like he must have had some appearance. Also, like I love when they say we've seen him in the movies. It's a, a shot of the movie steel. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what you're, you're thinking of. So, uh, Maddie wrote in to point that out to us. And like I said, I'll I guess go, go, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll send it to your camera. It's worth going through watching it. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of fun. Plus it's just nostalgic. I remember that promo airing. Oh yeah. Me too. Which is pretty crazy. So I think that's what you're thinking of. Um, we also got a, uh, a note from oh, Ashley Clark. It feels Clark. good to hear Richie's voice. I can't wait. It does. I, uh, oh, I know J- um, Jason Marsden, right? Mm-hmm. Great Jason Marsden. So, uh, but we got a note from Ashley Clark. She wrote in uh, to comment about the death and right of Superman, which is something that we talked about uh, on last week's episode because I just watched it. And uh, she said, I love the death and return of Superman. Uh, I saw the separate movies and then bought the combination edition. It's so very heartfelt in a way that most of the other movies have not been for years. want to make sure I got that across. I think you nailed it. Thank you. Uh, also, she said, hope you're all having fun at Disney because she said this yesterday when we were at Disneyland. Yeah. But uh, no, like I, I absolutely agree with that. I thought especially the death of Superman um, was emotionally resonant in a way that a lot of the, especially the new 52 stuff, but I'd say the, the DC animated films in general aren't always. 
Um, you know, I think for me, uh, Mass of the Phantasm definitely is. Did mm-hmm. I? Did I cry last time I watched that? I don't know. I find myself now crying. Good. A lot. Good for you. <laughs> that, that's all separate conversation about my mental state. But I'm finding uh, movies are emotionally resonant in a way they weren't before. That's, yeah, I may have cried last time. Crying, crying shouldn't be seen as a negative thing. And I'm no, tired it, of like, people that like it, it. It it is a good thing. Um, it's that's more me just like poking fun at myself for like being this uh, like emotionless robot for the vast majority of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the fact that it's weird things that make me cry. Mostly uh, the Wrath of Khan, <laughs> fruit baskets. Fruit. Yeah, oh my god. I, just, I sometimes have to see a fruit basket. I'm like, look at the gift this fruit has given to the world. And someone was nice enough to send a really mediocre gift mm-hmm. to uh, to somebody else. And it just yeah. it brings a tear to my eye. Every time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was like, is there a superhero game named Fruit no. Basket? No, there's not. Um, but no, like I, I really uh, I really liked those movies. And I, I've heard that there's a little bit of additional content in the, the combo thing. Which, oh nice. What is happening on my street right now? It's, it's my amazing Foley. I can do a lot of Foley with this pillow. Cam- Cameron has... <laughs> it's impressive, right? Cameron is like Bert from Mary Poppins. He's over there with a, a full band strapped to his body. No, just just the pillow. Just the, He has a pillow and a horn. Yep. And a very small motorcycle. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I really quite, uh, quite enjoyed those. They were good. And then... Um, uh, we had, uh, I, I actually, I miss these originally cause I, I always check our, our messages. Sometimes I forget to check our, our, our comments. Um, but we had a, a couple, uh, amazing comments from, uh, Reinka Customs. So I've mentioned them before. They have a, a fantastic Instagram account and they do all these really incredible custom action figures and, oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And minifigures, a lot of it in the DCU space and Star Trek stuff. Uh, but, uh, after our episode 132, when I plugged the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, left a comment saying, uh, Kraken Pod, guys. Thanks, guy. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, also wrote in when we were talking on uh, the Joker episode, and you mentioned playing basketball with a bully or something like that. Yeah, when I got my fight. Yeah, that's right. When you got into your your fight, uh, and he commented, uh, "It's funny that Cameron said he was playing uh, basketball in a story and just horsing around." <laughs> that is the sound of Cameron uh, getting up and 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 walking away. Uh, <laughs> he may be going to his kickball game early. <laughs> Uh, Ranka Customs, I hope I'm saying your name right, one, but two, thank you for writing in. I love to force bad puns upon Cameron, and so the fact that I now have audience members doing the same brings me endless amounts of joy. I hate this podcast. (laughs) Um, and then we had one other comment here, which I thought was, uh, I, really crazy, I never put this in perspective, but, uh, Instagram account Dem Jinkies wrote in to say, just realized that uh, the boomers of 2049 are today's millennials. Which ones are the boomers? The boomers are like our parents' generation. No, no, no. Of to- the, like the baby boomers are like the post-World War generation. So yeah I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. But like, so the role the boomers now play in our society mm-hmm. of being like the older generation that kind of like wants things the way they were before yeah. and has well, if we're being perfectly honest, completely fucked over our generation almost every conceivable way. 
uh, we will now be that for. Oh, okay. I got, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I never put that in sort of context, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah. Like when the show takes place, we will be of that age. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, I mean, I will turn 60 in 2049. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that's the, that's how every generation works. That, that, that's why we have, no, I understand. No, no, no. I, 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 I want to put it in, in television I, references. <laughs> that's why you had the hippie movement of the sixties. And then you had the like straight laced family ties, Michael Fox, of the 70s, 80s. Yeah. He's like, no, you know, Reagan wouldn't allow this stuff. I'm not going to be like my hippie parents. Patron Saint Reagan. Yeah. And then that fed into the the 90s and 2000s of the, well, we're just not going to do anything because why fight it, man? The Gen X mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And now the, the money mentality is it's all fucked. Yeah. Well, now we're back to the... For not the forties, the like the protest era. Yeah, yeah. We just we history repeats itself. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. What do you know? Well, I mean, this is something you and I are talking about a little bit because it's related to your work. We don't have to get into it too much, but the idea that um, it's it's hard to characterize millennials in any sort of content as anything other than really kind of like jaded and cynical. Yeah, that's like our entire generation is that way. Now, like I also like to think that we have a good sense of humor. Well, and fake. In what sense? In the sense of uh, we always it's uh, there, there was a there's a great artist and I don't remember their name right now that does these beautiful series where it's um, it's a character holding a piece of technology and so it'll be like her sitting in front of her laptop and from the screen from the shine of the screen everything looks perfect and that's all in color and then in black and white around the character is just like chaos and depression and like everything is is broken okay i i saw something similar once before where it's like um you know it's like i don't know it's like a photo of an apple and this evening opposite side like the back of it's like all rotten and Mm -hmm. like take this huge bite out of and stuff and like okay so i i will i'll push back slightly on that that i i think i think fake has a lot of um judgmental connotations behind it Mm -hmm. i think we are a generation that's very aware of our facades. Yeah, okay, I'll take that. So, because I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, we are very Instagram, social media focused, where we're always, like, if you go through anyone's Instagram, it looks like they're living the best life ever, and obviously that, that doesn't really show the reality of it. Yeah, people are always asking, why are you at Disney every day? Exactly. But I also think that we're a generation that is maybe the most comfortable of any generation about talking about the gritty real reality of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, we literally were just talking about a few minutes ago, like the fact that, you know, we should be able, it should be okay to cry about things. And like, I'm very, I always talk about that. I like talk about going to therapy and stresses and stuff like that. I think we are a generation that will always, that a lot of times is comfortable talking about that sort of stuff, but it's also figuring out a way to do it so that it is, not just constantly negative and toxic and problematic. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and I think that becomes the challenge of finding a balance between like the, the glossy sheen, the artifice of like the amazing life that's up on Instagram and like the reality of it. And like, you know, and to some degree, not that you and I are, um, you know, also contributing to this, but it's like, we have this, both of us now have this like incredible, like Instagram story of us at Disneyland yesterday, this whole crazy thing. And like, 
we were totally in the middle of that, but then that doesn't reflect the fact that like we had to do it on Saturday because our work labs are both super, super insane. And we're probably going to be like dragging our asses now for the next week. Cause we're so tired and all yeah. this other sort of stuff. So I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think fake is what the boomers would call our generation. And so I think it's worth differentiating a little bit on that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Am I supposed to say something here? No, I don't know. I just wanted to where's, correct. Where's the script? Can we can we roll that back real quick? I just wanted to correct you. Yeah, I'm sorry. The teleprompter's down. Okay. Yeah. Um, do we? Do you have anything really in terms of plugs, or do we want to take this opportunity to do a, really. a brief little story about what let's, we did yesterday? Let's, let's plug Disneyland. Okay. Yeah. So this is gonna be a slight different thing for plugs. Um, so and okay. also the streaming service coming out called Disney Plus comes out November twelfth. Yeah. Six nine nine. Six hundred thirteen things opening day. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's my plug. Uh, yes, as always. Um, but no, you and I did something. You want to plug Booksmart again? <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> at this point, Disney Plus and Booksmart are just always implied. Yeah. As perpetual bat plugs. Mm-hmm. They're forever plugs. Um, There's deep, deep in there. Just deep, so, so deep So in Disneyland. There. So you and I did something yesterday that we've been talking about doing for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron, why don't you explain what this challenge is, where it came from, and why we did it? Yeah, so it, it, the challenge is called Blackout Bingo at Disney. It has um, nothing to do with getting blacked out drunk, by the way. Worth, or, worth or clarifying. As, as my mom mentioned, has nothing to do with the game Bingo, where Blackout Bingo is where you have to cover the entire board and not just like a line. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Isn't yeah. It? I forgot about that. I mean, I get where the name applies to the situation, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, so Blackout Bingo at Disney is uh, if you get a Disneyland map and you open it up, on the right will be a list of attractions and things to do in the park. Yeah, rides, attractions, shows. Yeah, character meetups, etc. What we tried to do was everything on that list. There are 60 things, and we wanted to do all of it in one day at Disney. Yeah. Um, And where did you first discover this was a thing? I so the idea came years ago when I started doing my animations. Mm-hmm. I wanted to at the very end of once I finished the last animation, which I still have like seventeen to go. Of course, um, I wanted to do every ride that I animated. Mm-hmm. But then I saw I think on Reddit somewhere there was a couple that had been planning this out, and now it's like a big challenge people do at a bunch of parks, where you post your timestamp. To kind of prove to everyone that you did it in one day. Yeah. Um, and so this is the Disneyland version. You do everything in Disneyland. There's a Disney World version where you do not attractions, but just rides. There are 49 rides among the four parks. I guess now 50, now that they have uh, Smugglers Run as well. Yeah. There are 50 rides between the four parks, trying to ride all 50 rides in one day. Uh, and then there was some guy that took it to the next level. Uh, and I think he was sponsored by Disney, so he had his flights paid for. Mm-hmm. But he rode, uh, I think it was in 36 hours, <clears throat> he rode one ride in every park around the world. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and to explain how impressive it is, all the parks are Disneyland, California Adventure, obviously in Los Angeles. Yep. The four parks in Disney World. Yeah, Epcot, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios. Uh, Disneyland Paris has two. Mm-hmm. They have uh, MGM Studios and Disneyland Paris. 
And then uh, was it Shanghai? Shanghai is the newest one. Yeah, it, it was into the video was done to promote Shanghai. Okay, Shanghai, uh, the two parks in Tokyo, and then Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So you have uh, Tokyo Disneyland, and then Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah. So look, I mean, those are that's particularly incredible feat. So our goal was simply just to do every ride and attraction on that map um, in one day. Should we explain the caveat at the beginning or at the end? Uh, we we'll do it at the end. Okay. All right, so what this entailed was uh, I woke up at 4.15 yesterday because I needed to because I just, like, as woke a, up as and, a, and, and as couldn't a fall back. As a Christmas. It, it, honestly, it was, it was kind of like the rush of waking up Christmas morning as a kid. I was like, at that point, I was just so focused on what we had to get done. I started writing the whole list on my phone, planning out a social media strategy. But, uh, yeah, you came and picked me up at 6.15, drove down to the park, at the park by 7 a.m., at the gate by 7.15. Yeah, 7.15. Um, and then when the park opened at eight o'clock, we immediately jumped in and started doing rides. We're not going to go like ride by ride cause that would be insane. But like some of the early drama was we got in line for Peter Pan. The Taurusly always breaks down, breaks down 20 minutes into us line. waiting. Yeah. So we like scramble, we go to hit everything else. In and Fantasy those land. first 30 minutes are precious at Disney. Like you, you yeah. can hit, if you know your route and we know our routes yes. now, uh, you can knock out six rides in 30 minutes absolutely and it, it didn't help too that they happen to have uh what's called the magic hour which means if you're staying at disneyland park you get into the park an hour early mm-hmm. uh the day we went yesterday so saturday uh they had that for magic kingdom or i guess for disneyland park is the mm-hmm. way to put it which meant that there was already people in the park before we were able to get in the park which which also kind of uh extended the lines for some things yeah um now, we, we've been talking about doing this for years. We always thought we'd try and do it on, like, on a Wednesday, on an off-season. The reason we, <laughs> no, didn't we did didn't end up happening that way. The reason we did it when we did was we were trying to get in before... Well, originally, we were trying to do this before even Smuggler's Run opened, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And now we were like, okay, we got to get in before Rise of Resistance, because that'll be impossible to get that ride in with everything else for months after yeah. it opens. Um, and then... Uh, with both of our work schedules, mine in particular, it was impossible to do it on a weekday. Yeah. And we were trying to make sure that we could get in before they closed Small Worlds to holidayize it. Unfortunately, we failed. Yes. We figured that out. My yes. bad. Yes, uh, yesterday when we figured that out, it was already closed. So that was off the list. And then due to some other uh, modifications, one of the transports on Main Street the was omnibus. also closed. The omnibus was closed. Other than that... We did 58 rides in 16 hours. Yeah. 58, sorry, 58 attractions in 16 hours. Yeah, rides and attractions. Yeah, so we, we were there from before the park opened to after it closed. Yes, 18 uh, hours total. Yeah, um, it was insane. I, th- I think it was a mad rush at the end because I think we th- we seemed to be on... Okay, what what was your emotional state going through it over the course of the day? Like, Did you feel like we would be, we'd be able to do it at certain points? Were you starting to have doubts? Well, I think the problem was how we planned it because we had the first half the first half of the day planned basically to the 30 minute like we knew exactly yeah. where we needed to be when we needed to be there how like when we needed to be out and everything for the for the right half of the park yeah for fantasyland we knew everything we needed to do tomorrowland we knew everything to, uh toontown and main street we had on lockdown yeah because there's a lot of stuff in those areas that don't have fast passes others mm-hmm. that have critical fast passes or single riders so we we base it all around that yeah so we were moving at a good pace to clean that out and i think we were on on pace 
to clear that stuff out. Yeah. Once we moved to the second half of the park, I think we were a little looser with how we were going to handle yeah, things. Yeah, I think having a, a better plan in place. But like, there's also a, a huge element of improvisation that goes along with it because... Rides go down at any point. Yeah, I mean, that happened for us a couple times, rides were going down, or you just can't plan on how busy it's going to be at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, there, there and, could be a weird wave that just hit. Cause, uh, so because Jungle Cruise just had a trailer come out, that was my turning point. Yeah. Uh, the line for Jungle Cruise has been out the queue for the since the trailer came out yeah, people are I mean, so excited it, it was, to ride it now uh, a 35 40 minute wait um, when it's usually 15 yeah well and then also because it's halloween season the line for haunted mansion uh at its peak was 200 minutes 200 minutes yeah three hours and 20 minutes yeah which is absolutely insane because i mean obviously you know for us it's like we can kind of go whenever but mm-hmm. for a lot of people they come in just for that like so they're there like that's the ride they're gonna go on yeah and you know if you can't get a fast pass for it, which those burn pretty quickly, had to get yeah, early we, fast we, we got ours at eleven, and, and they were burnt out by one. Yeah, so if you can't get a fast pass and you were determined to ride that ride, you just gotta get in line. That's what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, that affects things too. If you have a, a single ride that gets so so busy, now all of a sudden you get a lot of people looking at it, going like, okay, fuck it, like we're not gonna bother doing Haunted Mansion. So what else is in the area? So Pirates of the Caribbean was super long. Indy was about on par for what it normally is, I would say. But, you know, Jungle Cruise was pretty long as well. Even the Winnie the Pooh ride, which yeah. remember you walk on to like a, a good, wait. like, 10, 15-minute wait. Um, I mean, so, I mean, this was – I haven't been in a while, but this was one of the busiest days I've been to in quite some time, mm-hmm. especially for this time of year, given that it was a Saturday. Well, so, I learned uh, two Saturdays ago, two or three Saturdays ago – uh, it hit peak numbers like in Disney history. Really? Yeah, for fall season. Jesus. I mean, yeah, it, it was. It's just been super busy right now. I mean, part of it too maybe is the fact that we've had like an extended summer in LA. So I mean, it, it was hot yesterday. It was like yeah. 90, ninety degrees. We were mm-hmm. in shorts. Um, but I mean, it, it was crazy crowded. So you know, we're taking on this this really ambitious challenge and making it that much harder by going at like the worst possible time more or less now you you knew some other folks that did this once already or like you read about them the ones who had like mm-hmm. time yeah the when i the when i was reading through the people that did it before they did it as we should have and this was also four or five years ago when there was a real off season off season doesn't really exist anymore at disney no it's just a little less crowded um but before there was a real off season and you could go and I remember going on an off-season day, and it's magic yeah. when you have when you feel like you have the park to yourself and you can walk on everything. And so this this couple, they were writing about how like they did a, all the mountains in a row, and uh, his wife was feeling nauseous, so they spent like an hour and a half just sitting having lunch. And they met up with friends, and they got a drink, and then they jumped back in it and still finished by like ten forty-five, which is. Uh, unfathomable to us who yeah. took two very brief food breaks but basically didn't eat it all Not yesterday even, yeah yeah our food breaks were we walked up grab our food and kept walking and kept going yeah we didn't sit once outside of like sit rides yeah we, we had to uh we didn't like, sit down for 18 hours t- time our bathroom breaks no time to get a drink I, I got so mad at you every time you had to go to the bathroom i'm sorry i have a tiny baby bladder no, and i, was, I, get I it. was trying to stay hydrated we mm-hmm. were running around all day long um but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall strategy worked pretty well. I mean, it got down to the wire at the last, yeah. at the last little our, bit. Yeah, our last ride was 
was technically four rock. I, I had it listed as four with the train. I, th- I think we got to go a train. little bit earlier than that though, because okay. like we've been we've been running around. We go, go do a Peter Pan. It breaks out. Okay, fuck it. We're like okay, we'll go at the end of the day when it's quiet again. So we always had that in the background. Same with Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, over in tomorrow. Yeah. So for people who've never been to Disney, uh. Typically, just Disney. Like it, it still applies to World, but not on the same level because World closes early, um, earlier. At Disneyland, it typically closes at eleven or at midnight. And when we give you that number, that means you can get in a line up until that time. Yes. So they don't kick you out at midnight. It's they close. They cut the queues off at midnight. Yeah. So you can still hop on Peter Pan at eleven fifty nine. And even if the line is 40 minutes, you're staying in the park until 1240. Yeah. Like, they're not going to throw you out. Yeah, exactly. So we knew that there was a couple things we could... Oh, like, and sorry, and you, sorry, because I brought that up. Yeah. Usually, if you wait until, like, 11, 1130, after the fireworks, the parade, Fantasmic, uh, the park empties out. And yeah. usually you, you have it... It's as empty as it is in the first thing in the morning. Exactly. So we, we kind of loaded a bunch of stuff at the end of the day stuff that didn't have fast passes you knew would be long lines so pirates of the caribbean uh, peter pan the finding nemo ride the autopia all had long lines you can't do fast passes like okay let's wait to the end of the day and hopefully a little bit quieter the problem is those are all spread out different places across the park um and we had just sections that got slow so like we hit a few things quickly in Fantasyland, and then all of a sudden the crowds are coming in. So now things are taking a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the day, we had to do a lot of the stuff around the the river. So that meant uh, one trip on the Columbia around the river, one trip on Mark Twain's riverboat. We had to do the canoes. We had to get over to Tom Sawyer's Island and back. Um, those are all things that just take time. They're long rides. They're long waits to make it all happen. And so that in of itself was a, a few hours that we had to get in the middle of the day before they closed early at five. Mm-hmm. As well, so then it, like I kind of divide up the day. We had to get over to Galaxy's Edge uh, to get on Smuggler's Run. That wasn't too long of wait. I had to buy a lightsaber. Yeah, hashtag worth it. Um, yeah, we had to do the Tiki Room. Like there's stuff that just takes time, and that started to get kind of backlogged towards the end of the day. And so I said the middle of the day was kind of lackadaisical, especially around the the river cruise parts. Of yeah, it. we were, we were feeling confident. Yeah, like okay, we, we, we were having conversations like maybe we'll have time to we'll go to the have, other yeah, part. We pop over to we DCA can go get a drink, grab after a drink, this. and then. Um, I'd say like around the it time of the fireworks all came crashing. Oh, yeah. I was going to say uh, Jungle Cruise. It all came crashing Oh, yeah. Down. I think Jungle Cruise is when it got bad. When it's like, okay, now we have to start hitting the stuff that doesn't have fast passes. We just have to deal with these lines. And, and we, we'd been expecting, yeah, because we got through Smuggler's Run a little faster than expected. We we did Big yeah. Thunder a little faster than expected. So we were, we were ahead of schedule. And then as we were planning, we'd always had in our head Jungle Cruises a 10-minute wait. Yeah. We get in line and it was 40 minutes. It was the, lo- it was the longest wait we had. I th- maybe the longest wait we had for any ride. Maybe t- tie with Peter Pan, maybe. Yeah. And, and that the queue they have for, um, for Jungle Cruise and that whole area is themed to feel like, like a busy, small street. Yeah. And so you're supposed to feel a little claustrophobic. No but, matter what you're doing there. But that line in particular, it's like a really tiny like bungalow space. Like it's a staircase that's essentially wide enough for one person that they have like put a line up and a line, line down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The hallway you're waiting in is 12 across and it, 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 it holds exactly 12 people. Like you were shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And you were in that room for it's tight. 25 so, yeah, of the 45 th- minutes. Started to get kind of intense at that point, but like we had to keep going and then, you know, it was like a mad scramble. Like, okay, so at this point now we have to like, let's head over to what Tomorrowland and burn through everything that's left over there. Then let's go through Fantasyland and like 
Oh, and, and also, um, since it is so close to daylight savings, uh, while we were in that hallway, just for that 20 minutes, the sun just disappeared. It went, yeah. So, all so of a we walk it's, in and it's sunny and we walk out and it's pitch black. It's dark. Out. And now it's like, it feels now, like it's yeah, the pressure's on so and, much later. And then we're having to like run over and like quickly catch Pirates of the Caribbean, which had a super long line, got to see Fantasmic and then race back over to Fantasyland. And it, we were able to clean off like all the rest of that stuff where we go to go to Snow White. Which had a, a bit of a wait, so we're like, which we're was the do it. last of our small rides. Exactly, we get there, shut down. It's closed. It had and technical like, issues. Fuck, we're not okay. We're gonna keep going, but we're, we're just not gonna get all of it at the end of the day. It's like, okay, fine. We'll get in line for Peter Pan, and I'll give us plenty of time to get over to the. At that point, the railroad was the last thing we had to do. Yeah, you ride the railroad once around the park. You get all four stops. You're done. And we're like, we've kind of accept the fact that we're not gonna get to Snow White. And then at eleven thirty it opened up again. Mm -hmm. So then we, it's like, okay, fuck, can we get through Peter Pan fast enough to get over to Snow White, to get through that fast enough to then get to the train station in time? And you had the really smart idea because we were going to go to the Tomorrowland station and catch it there. And then you're like, no, no, let's just go to Main Street and end it there. And thank God we did because we got the sweeper. The sweeper train. The sweeper train. So, so I just recently learned about this, but the sweeper train is the last train that goes around... Uh, basically, once the park opens, there's a train that circles the entirety of the park. Uh, four trains, actually. But uh, the very last train that goes through is the sweeper train. They don't drop off. They only pick up. Yeah. And we got we got the very, very last we, train. We got on. like It was, it was like it was a photo finish. Yeah. We, we, like, we, at no point did we ever really run. I power walk everywhere. I skip. I, I'm, I'm tall and I'm gay. And you, gay men just walk super fast. I don't know why we do. I have the... What was, what was my analogy yesterday? I have the, the skipping stamina of an antelope. Yes, exactly. So then Cameron, in retribution for me, like power walking all day long with my longer legs, started skipping everywhere. Then I'm like scrambling to keep up with him. But at no point I would say we do ever run. There's no running. It's There's skipping. no running. We, we were definitely like going with haste, but we yeah. were like... Skipping is just running with more joy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just running with zhuzh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we like scrambled down Main Street and like saw one train leave. Okay, fine. We'll get the next one. The next one comes in. And we get on like this is the last. Yep. And then it train. Yeah. We just, 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 just made it. Um, and I think that was the best possible way for us to to wrap the whole thing up to mm -hmm. to end the thing on the sweeper train and just like finally decompress because like, you see the shit, entire park it. and it's yeah. empty at that point. So you you feel like you have conquered the park. Oh you, my god! Yeah, you were the last one I mean, there. We literally did a lap. Yeah, around the park. We did a victory lap. We did a victory lap, and the fact that we were there when it was empty at the beginning of the day, and then we were there at the end of the day when it's empty. I've never done a full open to close. I've I've done pretty damn close to it. Same. Yeah, I've never done open to close before. Yeah, either. I've never been in the park before it uh, opened and and ended after. Um, but it was super crazy. Um, we'll we'll put something up on the um the Tim Talk Instagram, like maybe some of the photos, like an abbreviated version of the story. Yeah. Um, but I mean if you get the full experience, go check out each of our respective Instagrams. For yeah, it. I still have to put up my highlights, but you have your highlights up. Yeah, it's up on highlights already. Um it was really, really fun. Like that element of it started to like become its own fun separate thing. So it's like we were trying to like tag team the photos a little bit and like share back and forth, make sure we always had something represented. And we were both getting lots of love from uh, friends on Instagram. Be like, you guys got this. This is so incredible. We, we believe in you. Some whole... not to love Gretchen. Yes. Yeah. How dare you? I don't know. You know who you are. Gretchen. Gretchen. Um, you know, I had a number of people messaging Gretchen me like Garland. 
I had a number of people message me telling me like, I am way too invested in this. So we basically just became like other people's like Saturday entertainment as they're much more comfy, like hanging out and having brunch or like watching TV on their couch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very proud of us. As am I. We did it. We've been, we've been talking about it for two or three years and we yeah. did it. We, we, we finally did it. And now we're going to try it again next year. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I are both people that don't do well with, um, asterisks to our accomplishments, yep. which look, I can, I consider what we did yesterday, a fucking victory at the end of the day. Like Same. I don't know anyone else who's done 58 rides and attractions in Disneyland in a single day on a peak Saturday. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just don't know anyone else who's done that. Or crazy enough to try it. Or even crazy enough to try it. A lot of people ask me why. I now know why. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, you and I don't like the fact that we missed Small World. We missed the Omnibus. That technically on the map we have Rise of Resistance is listed on there, but obviously the, the ride's not open yet, so it doesn't yeah. really Yeah, the, the map count. has 64 things, uh, but one doesn't exist anymore. The, the yeah. Golden Horseshoe. One isn't open yet, the Rise of the Resistance. And two are cost money yeah the build a droid and build a lightsaber yeah so we're not dropping 300 dollars for this challenge and so i think when we we will attempt this again probably year year and a half maybe Mm -hmm. um when we do i feel like the rules will be we have to participate in every ride and attraction unless unless they have a cost yes Agreed. I think that's a, a reasonable caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm going to, I like, we didn't actually do Savi's, which is where you build a lightsaber, but I bought a lightsaber and you've bought a droid before. Yeah, but not in the 24, not in the 16 hours. Fuck it, we'll count it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, it was so much I fun. I didn't buy a droid, I saved a droid. Y- yes. His name is R213. But I mean, he is lucky. Did you save him, Cameron? Or did he save you? It's mutual. It's mutual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was really, really ridiculously fun. And, um, I, I would, I will honestly say that I think you and I had made a genuine effort to actually make the, the Instagram stories entertaining too, mm-hmm. to make sure like we included the bits of like drama and tension where we were experiencing it. Um, I mean, look, it's basically just scrolling through and seeing us have like a photo or a video of every single ride, but there's more, a little bit more to it than that. And I, I would say that there's actual genuine, like entertaining storytelling happening there. Yeah uh so go go check that out yeah and if you guys ever want to come to disneyland oh i'm always there <laughs> he's he's cameron is always there he is legitimately always there mm. i love playing tour guide he really does he's very very good at it you did most of the planning for this and, uh, and i do appreciate it so but i think with that we're gonna end it we're gonna go ahead and end it yeah mm. so uh you know if you want to reach out to us as a podcast we are at tim talk pod on facebook Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Gmail. Uh, if you've actually seen the Zeta Project, I would love to hear what your like short list would be. So this might be literally just mm-hmm. Maddie responding to us. But yeah, how how would you write season three or make the movie? Yeah, would really be curious uh, to hear your thoughts on that, mm-hmm. everybody. And then uh, if you want to see our respective uh, posts, in this case specifically about Disneyland, Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Camdexter underscore Adventures. Uh, and that's it for right now. That's it for right now. Exactly. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Lordifer. Um, I always say Twitter and Instagram, but really it's basically just Instagram. Okay. So, but yeah, uh, go check that out. And coming up next for the Tim Talk podcast and DCAU. <gasps> Superhero Static Shock. Static Shock, everybody. Cannot wait. Superhero Static Shock. All right. Thanks, everybody. He's superhero gifted. Bye. The back at school. Nobody know what I do. Superhero static shock. Whoop whoop. Superhero static shock.